that's the giving talk done because we've heard so, so many amazing stories already. However, um, <laughs> you're still going to put up with it. <laughs> so this is... Um, This is part of our life coaching series, which is Living Life to the Full. Uh, this is a list of the talks that have already been covered, and today I get the amazing privilege of doing the giving talk. Woo! So I'm going to be, yay! I'm going to be talking about money. Now, the irony of this... Do, do, do these fade, by the way? I never... Do I get to play with this? It's so exciting, but I don't really know how to use it. Do these actually just fade away? Yeah, you deal with that. Yes. Um, the irony of giving the, this talk um, is incredible, really, because about nine years ago, my husband Alan and I were at another church, and we had sat. Chris knows this. We had sat through five separate, five consecutive uh, talks on money. And Alan just looked at me on the fifth one. He said, I can't hack this anymore. I really can't do this. And we were surrounded by hundreds of students. And their sense of shame and anxiety that was growing was really tangible around us. And he said, I, I can't do another one. So we were invited to this fledgling little church called Ashford Vineyard. Uh, for the next week, and we rocked up, and there were about 30 people there, only four of whom we knew, and uh, so we sidled in, and uh, Chris Kimmett stood up, and he said, right, you lot, today you're getting the giving talk. <laughs> Get over it, it's biblical, which, of course, it is, and uh, Alan's face was an absolute picture. Oh, my goodness me, it's a picture. <laughs> But we couldn't just walk out because in a room, a large room of, with only 30 people, it, it just, we couldn't. So he had to put up with it. <laughs> but at the end, he said, I like that man. He did well. That's the best talk on giving I've ever heard. And the rest, as they say, is history. So well done, Chris. Well, I can't do it like you did, but uh, this is... Oh, no. Uh, so that he was absolutely right. The, the key thing to know is that giving is indeed biblical. And the biblical basis for this, three things um, that I've identified. Tithing, which simply means a tenth of the first. So tithing's been mentioned in, in Becca's talk this, this morning in her video. And tithing's a word that we don't actually use outside of a church environment, as far as I know. Uh, but it simply means a tenth. Stewardship, which is taking what we have and using it well. And the third is generosity. And of course, we're hearing so much about generosity already. But I want to talk about money straight away. So it amazes me. Well, social media always amazes me. We can give out, reveal our most intimate things across social media and yet, I never hear anyone talk about how much they've got in the bank. Isn't that strange? Apart, I mean, unless you're showing off about it. But we don't. It seems to be, money seems to be so very private. So I took some time out to look at some social experiments. And I identified three. These are well-published experiments about money. And these are the, the three that I homed in on. How money changes the way you think and feel. How money makes people act less human, and that really bothered me. And thinking about money leads to bad behavior. 
Well, we know money can be powerful. We know it causes arguments. It causes division, anxiety, sleeplessness, strong reactions. But I was shocked to uh, watch this social experiment about a group of people that were divided in half. Half of them were told to think about money, and half of them were told to think about anything else. And then they were released out of a building. And as they walked along the road, they came across a number of situations, one of which was a lady who tumbled and her bags of shopping split and fell all over the ground. Those people who were thinking about money walked past and those who weren't all stopped to help her. And that really shocked me. These are published, published research articles. So the biblical view, well, <laughs> let me tell you straight away, God is not against money. Despite what you might think, he's not against wealth. He's not against prosperity. He is the God of prosperity. He wants us to lack nothing and thrive. And he hates poverty. It's just that sometimes our mindset of poverty isn't quite in line with his. And just to give you um, something to think about. Think about Mother Teresa when I say that. Our mindset of poverty isn't always in line with his. Now, in Paul's letter to Timothy, the first letter to Timothy, chapter 6, he says, beware of loving money. And this is the biggest misquote of all time. The Bible does not say money is the root of all evil. No, it doesn't. This is what Paul says in his letter to Timothy. Loving money is the first step towards... Loving money is the first step towards all kinds of trouble. Some people run after it so much that they have given up their faith. Craving more money pushes them away from the faith into error, compounding misery in their lives. To all the rich of this world, I command you not to be wrapped in thoughts of pride over your prosperity or rely on your wealth, for your riches are unreliable and nothing compared to the living God. Trust instead in the one who has lavished upon us all good things, fulfilling our every need. Remind the wealthy to be rich in good works of extravagant generosity and willing to share with others. That is a really good expression of God's attitude to money. And we need money. A church that grows and seeks to reach every part of their city requires more money. So here's the uh, traditional slide. Thank you, Chris Tatton, for this about our uh, expenditure at Ashford Vineyard. The huge chunk goes towards staff costs. We have 15 staff members. Some of those have come on board in the middle of a pandemic when other businesses are furloughing staff. This is incredible. We only um, employ one full-time member of staff. The rest are part-time with... Thank you, Chris. He's waving. Uh, The rest are part-time with a range of three hours to 20 hours a week. But I want to draw your attention to the purple section, the warehouse. Now, the warehouse where we are delivering this talk from today and where uh, Compassion Projects are delivered from is open uh, every day of the week, apart from Saturdays. Well, we're in a pandemic at the moment. We do our best. But it sucks money. It really does. It costs rent. It costs uh, maintenance. It costs heating. It costs licenses. But the life that is in this building is unimaginable. I 
cannot begin to tell you. Even when we have uh, contractors like the gentleman who comes to change our fire extinguishers and he rocks up because it's something we have to do and we get to pray for him and his blocked ears have been blocked for six months have been healed and opened because he comes to this warehouse and he gets healing and I checked in with him a couple of weeks after and his colleagues say that they are talking about how much better he can hear things now and so I would say that if you ever um think about your giving and your money and you think, oh my goodness me, that building. We know the church is not a building, but God has such favor on this building. And uh, we need your money to keep going. All these stories of generosity and the things we do from here, we we need your money. Now, when I was uh, considering this talk, God said to me really clearly, Haggai. Now, Haggai is a a very little-known that one can go. Oh, it has. Has it? It has. Yes. No. Oh, I'm ignoring that. <laughs> Bit of practice. <laughs> um, the book of Hag- Haggai is, is a, a two-chapter book in the Old Testament, a very little-known prophet. And he's speaking to the people of Israel when they're coming out of exile. Their temple has been destroyed, and he's saying to them, "The Lord says, look at you in your houses." in your comfort, and yet my building lies in ruins. Said, oh. And then he goes on to say, I mean, I can't quote the, the whole passage, but he goes on to say, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of his, this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Well, the message of Haggai is to seek God in all things, learn his priorities, because they are so very different from ours. So, a little bit of teaching on tithing. It has an origin in the Old Testament, and it was one of the original laws for the people of Israel. Now, the laws uh, for the people of Israel were strict rules, but they promoted good habits that enable them to flourish and stay in relationship with God. If you have a mindset that God is a dictator, then uh, you're wrong. And I invite you to look um, quite carefully at that. And in particular, read Deuteronomy, uh, the fifth book in the Old Testament in the Bible, um, chapter 26. Now, the tenth was always of the first fruits. So not the tenth when you've spent everything, and tenth of what's left, but it was always intended to be the tenth of the first. Now, traditionally, that was agriculture and livestock, and today we talk about money. And I have to say that I have found no reference to it being referring to time. So it is about money. Now, the best way, as I think uh, Vicky said, is just go to your bank, send up a, set up a standing order for a tenth of your income. Now, that's the first tenth of your income, and then live on the rest. Generosity enables us to check in with that, move it up, move it up, increase, increase, increase. But the baseline is the 10%. And Alan, my husband, and I went through um, a time when we had no income. And we've been through it. You, You don't know my story, but I can assure you that I know what it's like to live without money. And at the time, we, we, we kept up our tithing to the church, 
And it was most extraordinary. We didn't have um, online banking then, but we'd go to the bank and we'd draw some cash and there'd still be money there. And I remember standing outside Barclays once with my husband and he withdrew 50 pounds for the week shopping and we had children then as well. And, and he looked at me and I looked at him, how can that money still be in there? And during a period of time when we kept up our tithing and had no income, miraculously, there's no other way I can describe it, we still had money in our bank. But the reasons I love tithing are because it is habit-forming. But it also eliminates competition and jealousy. So my tenth, your tenth, your tenth, your tenth is all different, but it's still a tenth. We cannot be jealous of anybody else. Um, We cannot be in competition with anybody else. It's a really good baseline to start. And Jesus himself transforms this rule into a heart attitude. Now, I loved what John Davis said last week. He said that giving started in his head and it moved to his heart. As I saw, says John, the move of God in my life and finances. And I had a message in the week from a lovely lady called Sarah. And she's recently joined our circle. And she said, I forgot to share with you all how good God has been to me and the children this week. And she's given permission to share this this morning. As you know, money is tight for us. And I'm on an extremely low income at the moment due to not being in work. I watched last Sunday's service about giving. And on Monday morning... God said, Sarah, I know you're on a long income, low income, but please give to the church. So I thought, oh, right, let me work this out. So I thought, I have a spare fiver, so I will give this. I thought it isn't much, but every little helps. I usually receive food vouchers from my children's schools to use at the supermarket because they have free school meals. I get 15 a week from one school and 15 to 30 a week from the other, depending I received yesterday an email with a supermarket voucher of £120. Wow. I thought, this is strange, as I had the usual vouchers last week. So I feel God blessed me for giving the money to the church. I think that's just an amazing story. So what does Jesus say about giving? Well, he says this in Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, chapter 6. And he says this. Yep, that's the one. Thank you. Examine your motives to make sure you're not showing off when you do your good deeds, only to be admired by others. So when you give to the poor, don't announce it and make a show of it. But when you demonstrate generosity, do it with pure motives and without drawing attention to yourself. Give secretly and your father who sees all you do will reward reward you openly. And I love this because Jesus says this and tithing makes this super easy. So if you want to know, read more about this, you can go to the um, second book of Corinthians in the New Testament, chapter 9, verses 6 to 15, and you'll come across the story of the cheerful giver, or hilarious generosity in the Passion Translation. But I want to talk about stewardship briefly, and stewardship is the careful, responsible, supervising, or managing of something. 
especially something entrusted into one's care. Now, we know about stewardship from the ecosystems, environmental impact, and that's a a very um, high priority for a lot of people right now, looking after our environment. Stewardship also um, is concerning your income, so budgeting well, and this is what, of course, Becca was so wonderfully demonstrating. But stewardship also refers to our personal position and impact, which is what we can do because of who we are. Now, I love the stories of generosity that come from the community. But there's something that makes us a little bit different from this generosity, even though the stories of the William Harvey Mills are just incredible. It also involves people using their abilities and having the opportunity to demonstrate a value, which is appreciation, compassion, and love, and everyone gets to play. So the parable of the talents is a parable about financial stewardship, and you'll find that in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 30. But being truly rich isn't about what you have, but about what you do with it. And I'm going to quote you now from a a brand new book, actually, by a guy called Julian Adams. Julian Adams is a prophet from South America, South South Africa, South Africa, and he is now currently living in America. And he had a prophecy over Ashford Vineyard about our financial circumstances a couple of years ago. But in his new book, Terra Nova, Julian Adams says this, Sin sets us up as providers rather than stewards who trust in the goodness of God. The spirit of poverty has nothing to do with how much you have or do not have. I believe poverty is a systemic recurrence of humanity's predisposition to rely on our own efforts to provide rather than recognizing God as the one who provides for us. When your central need is to provide for yourself, It produces striving, competition, and jealousy. And this thinking has duplicated from one generation to the next, and we need it to stop. The choices we make today have a massive impact, and when we start to model a different way of living by making financial choices that reflect heaven, we disrupt the systems that have kept many people in poverty for years. When This is a bit I really love. When you live with the mentality that God is your provider and you are the steward, then what you faithfully steward will consistently multiply. And this is dynamic kingdom economics. So we've heard an awful lot about generosity over the last um, few weeks. Amazing stories, amazing teacher. What is generosity? Well, it's the quality of being kind and generous plentiful and large. It speaks of abundance, of overflow, of unselfishness, being free from meanness and smallness. And Jesus loved the incident where he and his disciples were in the temple and he observed the widow giving her coins into the, into the, the donations box. You'll find that story in Luke chapter 21, verse 1 to 4. But I remember a couple of years ago, we were privileged to be able to host the winter night shelter here. And uh, they, were, they, they were here on a, <coughs> a 
Saturday evening, so they were kind of trapped after breakfast by coming into the service. <laughs> it was so wonderful. And I remember one of them, and he, when the, the giving basket came round, he emptied his pocket and put in his coins. And we went up to him and we said, no, Jeff, you don't need to do this. You don't need to do this. And they were uh, bronze coins, you know, two peas, one piece. And he said, this is all I have, and I want to give it to you. And I've never forgotten that. It was just 13p, I think. Yeah, it was just amazing. All he had, and he gave it all to us. Well, do you know there is actually scientific evidence of well-being through generosity, through volunteering, financial, and practical giving, But I want to tell you what happened to me just a couple of weeks before Christmas. And we were leaving a meeting here at the warehouse and I was walking home with the amazing Emily Davis. She doesn't know anything about what I'm going to say. And uh, we walked home together late at night and we stopped to say goodbye. And um, she said, are you okay? Is there anything I can pray for? And I said, I'm going to give you the giving talk and I haven't a clue what to say. She prayed for me. She left. I left and instantly, never happened to me like this before, God downloaded so many words into my head about his generosity. It was a 10-minute walk home, and I was bombarded with God speaking. It was like straight out of, if you've ever read the book of Job in the Old Testament, uh, chapters 38 to the end, I suggest if you can't manage all of it, just go from 38 to the end. God downloaded he's, these words. He said to me, look at the sky, look at my handiwork, look at the depths of the sea. Have you ever seen the storehouses of snow? He said, look at the way I created you. Look at the way I pour out grace upon grace. He even said, Look at Jesus' to my son's teaching about forgiveness when he was asked, how many times do you forgive? And I say, forgive again and again. Not seven times, not 77. Endless forgiveness. Look at my grace upon you. Look at my provision for you. How can you not have words when you talk about giving? And it was just so amazing. So this is... What I thought. Giving and generosity is the fruit or expression of our transformed hearts. And that is what makes us different from our amazing community who are so generous too. What is going to change our city is a people who have an Eden consciousness. What I mean by that is the Garden of Eden where God provided absolutely everything until we turned from him as the provider and looked to ourselves to be self-sufficient. That's an Eden consciousness before we turned away from God. A people have an Eden consciousness and who live demonstrating the reality of the kingdom of heaven People in the room and online, that's how we're going to bless our city. Having that heart transformed to knowing the absolute goodness and generosity of God. And my favorite hymn that keeps me going when I think about this is an old hymn. I just love it. 
And it's, O oh Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works thy hand has made, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. So thank you for listening. I do wonder when I mentioned money at the beginning, whether there'd be, you know, I want to go back and look, see how many people clicked offline, clicked offline, clicked offline like that. <laughs> thank you for listening. Um, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. I'm going to pass over to the amazing Vicky. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.